Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Up next, The Truth with Lisa Booth, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Truth with Lisa Booth. This week, we are getting hashtag sassy with Massey because my guest is Congressman Thomas Massey. I retweet him almost daily. He is leading the fight, leading the charge against these tyrannical vaccine mandates in the country. He is a voice of sanity among the insane And he is standing up for your individual rights and fighting against the people who are trying to violate them. He was first elected to Congress in 2012. He represents the 4th District of Kentucky. Before he got into Congress, he actually went to MIT. He earned a bachelor's degree, a master's degree there. And when he was there, he actually invented a technology that enabled people to interpret with computers using their sense of touch. Uh, He leveraged that into a company, which then raised a ton of money, created jobs, obtained patents, all that different stuff. My favorite thing on Twitter is when people get a little too sassy with him and they say, oh, yeah, well, where'd you get your math degree? Where'd you get your science degree? And he he responds, MIT. Uh, So with that background, he's one of the people bringing sanity to all of this conversation. Uh, So I am so looking forward to having this conversation with him. He also wrote back in August that, quote, inserting needles and chemicals into people without their consent is violence and, quote, depriving them of their basic human rights because they won't give consent is also violence. Right now, we have a lot of hardworking Americans, nurses. We've got police officers, firefighters and military members who are going to be purged from jobs over a vaccine mandate that is rooted in nonsense, that is rooted in a lie. So we will fight together. We will have this conversation on the show And I am so, so looking forward 
to having Congressman Thomas Massey on The Truth with Lisa Booth. It's going to be a good one. So I am so excited to have this next guest on, Congressman Thomas Massey from the great state of Kentucky. I feel like I retweet him every day, so I thought to myself, he has to come on this show. Congressman, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for all those retweets. You know, I retweet you, too. (laughs) I I appreciate that, sir, and I'm always excited when you do because uh, you are very, very smart, and you are seemingly one of the the sane or one of the only sane people in Congress these days, so I appreciate your fight for freedom, sir. You know, I I don't know about you, but... I have a little pep in my step today, right? So this is the day after the Virginia elections, the New Jersey elections. I feel like the birds are chirping, the sun is shining, that it is a new day in America. How are you feeling after last night, and what are your key takeaways? Well, I I was at the Trump Hotel last night in the lobby slash bar with Marjorie Taylor Greene when we got the news. It was pretty exciting watching the results come in. I think it's a repudiation of Joe Biden. I'm hoping it's somewhat a repudiation of the of the vaccine and the mask mandates. And uh, I was just really excited to see it. I was afraid I would go to sleep and wake up and we'd have a different result the next morning. So I was just as excited to wake up and see we had still won. <laughs> I said, I, well, actually, before the election was called, I, I suggested that Virginia might be changing its state motto to let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I, I feel like that should be it should be a, a, a national day. Uh, we should have a national day of acknowledgement. Let's go Brandon Day, where we, we all come together. Different political ideologies, different uh, races, ethnicities, backgrounds, everything. We just all come together. A Let's go uh, Brandon Day of celebration. So I, I really want to talk to you about a lot of the vaccine mandates you just mentioned uh, and, and part of the daily retweets. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, so I. I'm sure it gives you satisfaction. It brings me satisfaction. You know, we know on Twitter a lot of snarky comments, but when someone's like, oh, yeah, well, what do you know about science or where'd you get your degree? And then you respond with the, the with the degree from MIT. It's uh, I mean, it's got to bring some it's just got to give make you giggle at least. My favorite one, and I get to do this about every six months, somebody steps in it. But um, they say MIT should revoke your degree. And I ask them which one. Because I, I actually have two degrees from MIT, so it's kind of fun. I don't, I don't put that in anybody's face. I am always um, at least only half as rude as somebody is to me. Like, that's my standard. I'm never mean to somebody who's not mean first, and I always do it in a nice way or try to be sassy about it instead of just rude. So that's why my hashtag is sassy with Massey on, on Twitter. Well, I never took it as anything rude or, or even condescending. I just always took it as it like gives people a giggle, right? Because I, I, I think politicians and all of us, just anyone in the country at large, needs to have a sense of humor, and you know we don't we need to all not take ourselves so seriously. So that's how I've always viewed it as just uh, it's just funny, right? So look, look at at heart, I'm still a hillbilly. I grew up in <laughs> Eastern Kentucky in Appalachia, and uh, I remember going to Cambridge, Massachusetts, which I mean, they were socialist when even socialism wasn't cool yet, right? And because um, that's where the MIT campus was. I, it was like maybe the second time in my life I'd been on an airplane, maybe the third time. And I was 18 years old, and I'm crossing a, a crosswalk 
on Massachusetts Avenue in Cambridge, Massachusetts. By the way, we didn't really have red lights in the town I grew up in. It had 1,400 people. We had one red light, but there was no crosswalk. So I'm going through my first real crosswalk at age 18, and a car honked at me. I'd only been there for like a day, and I was so excited that I'd already met somebody I knew. I mean, why why would that car be honking unless it was somebody that knew me? So I turned around and waved at the first car that honked at me when I was in New England. That's awesome. Well, if, if you if you go to New York, you would feel like everyone knows you because that's all they do is, is <laughs> honk at you when you cross the street. Uh, you, you, know, you know, sir, we're, we're just we're, we're really facing this fight against or this fight for freedom, this fight against tyranny with vaccine mandates in the country. I, I want to play some sound from Bill Maher recently, who has at least found a voice in, in some sanity in all of this. And, and then I want to get you on the other side of it. I know some people seem to not want to give up on the wonderful pandemic, but you know what? It's over. There's always going to be a variant. You shouldn't have to wear masks. I should be able, I haven't had a meeting with my staff since March of 2020. So he says that, and then he also goes on to talk about how, you know, Democrats think the risk from hospitalization for the unvaccinated is over 50% when it's actually less than one percent you know congressman how do we get to this place in society of just this psychosis that has taken over regarding covid well you know what i saw that clip i believe and i think he had senator coons there as a guest uh when they were talking about that and so i was happy that he was talking to an elected democrat and the elected democrat i'm not sure if that was the senator who was there was kind of uncomfortable And they should be uncomfortable. You know, the Democrats used to promise to give you somebody else's money or that they would protect your job. And now they're about printing the money or replacing you with somebody else or keeping you from getting a job in the case of the gig economy. And um, with the vaccines, you know, they used to say your body, your choice. And now they're saying your body, our jab. We're going to we're going to force you to take this. And I, I really hope that part of what we saw in Virginia was sort of a repudiation of, of the totalitarian proposal. You know, uh, you've seen the memes where I'm done with my free trial of socialism. <laughs> yes, I'd like to give it up. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're a lot of us, and it, and it sounds like Bill Maher especially, are done with our free trial of the government being our uh, parents or telling us what to do every day. And you were right, that was Senator uh, Chris Coons. And what was interesting is he actually got him to admit that natural immunity exists, even though it's being denied by our public health officials. Well, yes, he did. Why Why is natural immunity being ignored? It, it seems kind of important, right? <laughs> There's Well, I'll tell you why. There's no natural immunity lobbyist in Washington, D.C., I've met hundreds of them here, hundreds of lobbyists. I mean, they have lobbyists for the concrete industry, you know, in the asphalt industry. And there's a lobbyist for everything, but there's not a lobbyist for natural immunity. Nobody makes money on natural immunity. And uh, I don't know. I think kind of in the beginning, they didn't want to acknowledge natural immunity because they thought, well, people won't know that they've had COVID, they'll think they had COVID and they'll be reluctant to get the vaccine because they'll think they have natural immunity, but they don't have it. Well, there's a, and and so I understand that, but antibody tests are readily available and, you know, T cell tests, because even if you don't have the antibodies, you might have natural immunity. You might've had COVID and you still have memory cells. 
So there are ways to test for that. I have pro-vaccine friends who are pharmacists. That's like their career. And um, one of them told me, you know, people are asking me, should I get the booster shot? And she said, I, I tell them you should get a test to see if you have the antibodies. Basically, have they worn off yet from your other two shots? And that's, that's somebody who's pro-vaccine, who's acknowledging not just natural immunity, but why are we proposing a third jab for people whose medical condition we don't even know and, and uh, state of immunity we don't even know? Well, and what do we know about natural mu- immunity in terms of its strength uh, against COVID? <laughs> well, people will always uh, they'll always criticize you if you use yourself as an anecdote. But, you know, so that's anecdotal. Well, if you're the anecdote, it's pretty real. Right. So in my own case, I had the antibodies about six, 16 months ago. Like, I, I think I had covid in January of 2020. And but I know by the summer of 2020, I'd had it because I had an antibody test. And um, I have uh, subsequently later took an antibody test that showed that they had disappeared. But guess what? W- one of my children got COVID and quarantined in our house after my antibodies had supposedly disappeared. I didn't catch it then. And then another one of my children recently got COVID, quarantined in my house with me, right? I didn't go out of my way to avoid them, didn't catch COVID, pretty sure that this child probably had the uh, the Delta variant. Then I have some close family members. I don't want to reveal uh, somebody's medical the treatment or whatever who got the double jab of Moderna back in February, and then had COVID by August. And both of them did. And my wife and I were uh, helping take care of them when they had COVID. Our own experience in our family is that the natural immunity has uh, not failed any of us, and the vaccine has failed those uh, within our family who've taken it. Now they'll say, well, it reduces the severity of your uh, COVID case. And that may be the case, but they no longer say that it prevents you from catching it again or prevents you from spreading it. But we, but we all know that that is the case with natural immunity. You know, uh, the Biden's folks like to say, this is an epidemic of the unvaccinated now. And I say it's an epidemic of those who don't have natural immunity, if you want to look at it truthfully. Well, and of course, we're, you know, you look at studies across the world and Israel talking about the strength of natural immunity, how long lasting it is as well. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, look, we're seeing so many people who are fully vaccinated get COVID. I mean, just ask Jen Saki, right? You could circle back with her. She just got it. Uh, you know, we're also saying there's that recent study in The Lancet basically just finding that. Uh, the spread among household is pretty much the same for vaccinated, unvaccinated. So what's the basis for mandates then? Because the premise originally was that it would stop transmission. But we're seeing that that's not the, the case anecdotally and then also in recent studies as well. So, so what's the basis? Oh, by the way, there are over a dozen studies. There's Cleveland Clinic study. Uh, there's the Pfizer study itself that showed the vaccine provided no additional benefit to people who already had natural immunity. So what what is the rationale for it? Well, ethically and morally, whether the vaccine's effective or not, I don't think you can justify it. But let's just say logically, let's say you're Vladimir Putin and you, you don't give a flip about somebody's religion or somebody's uh, well-being. You just can tear, you, all you care about is GDP 
And so you're going to mandate something that will be better for society. Well, this vaccine doesn't pass that test. It's not clear that if everybody took it, that society would be better off. You, for instance, let's talk about vaccine escape or sort of pressure, evolutionary pressure on the uh, various strains of the vaccine. Well, the evolutionary pressure, the selective pressure for strains that are resistant to the vaccine is only present in those who are vaccinated. Like, in addition to being an engineer and serving in Congress, I have a farm. And so I have fruit trees there. I have livestock. And every everybody that gets any training on spraying uh, pesticides or fungicides or treating their animals with antibiotics or any other kind of medicine is told, like, don't overuse this, only use it on the ones that are sick, uh, switch the, the treatment, the modes of action, otherwise you'll get escape, and all you'll be doing on your farm is breeding fungus and disease and uh, viruses that are resistant to the treatments that are available to you. So the way they're applying these by just in the middle, you know, vaccinating with a leaky vaccine in the middle of a pandemic is exactly the wrong way to go about it. Should have treated the most vulnerable, uh, protected the most vulnerable. And frankly, you know, the kids should have always gone to school. They never should have been stopped from going to school. It's less uh, a deadly or, uh, you know, has less of an effect, health effect on them than the flu and many other things that afflict children. So, so are you saying, just so that I, I'm clear, are you saying that the vaccine in the middle of the pandemic may be causing additional strains? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, it doesn't like, let's say, breed them, but it applies the selective pressure so that if you were to go out among the population and say, for instance, how many, and I think there's a study, although I can't cite it, I'm going to be honest, but I think there is a study out there where they tested the strain that the vaccinated have, and it's almost all Delta variant. And then they tested people who weren't vaccinated, and they have a comp- some of them have Delta, some of them have the original strain. In fact, there's uh, if you plant corn that's got that's been genetically engineered to be resistant to a certain pest, you have to plant a certain amount of the corn that is not resistant. So that there will be uh, a sort of a reservoir for the pest to keep breeding without breeding in that resistance uh, to whatever you know the corn has that keeps them from uh, keeps it from being eaten or affected. I mean, this is just basic science. It's like we've forgotten, Lisa. We've forgotten everything we've known since 400 BC. Uh, let's just uh, talk about, for instance, General George Washington. The liberals love to say. Well, George Washington had a vaccine mandate for his soldiers. You know, they uh, inoculated them with smallpox through the skin. Well, there's two problems with using that as a precedent. Well, number one, smallpox was deadly as all get out. I mean, it wasn't like one in, you know, a thousand or one in 10,000 people who got it died. It was in the, it was like 10, 20, 30 percent. And uh, so it was more serious. But here's the thing. George Washington, when he mandated this for all of his troops, he said, treat the ones who haven't already had smallpox. He didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't ignorant enough. (laughs) He was smart enough. Let me put it that way to know that if you had already had smallpox, you didn't need to get the inoculation. I call I called up Mount Vernon 
which is the repository for all of his records. You know, that's his homestead. And spoke with somebody at Mount Vernon and said, did George Washington himself get the smallpox inoculation? And she laughed and she said, why would he? He had smallpox when he was a teenager. He was smarter than that. Like, so like, this is the thing we've gone back like 250 years. I'm not, I'm not saying that the vaccine mandate would be okay. If you exempted people who had prior immunity, I'm just saying it's completely unscientific not to exempt people with prior immunity. And we've known about this for centuries. Quick commercial break, more on vaccines with Congressman Thomas Massey. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. What I don't understand is, like, for instance, with Jen Psaki, like, everyone's like, oh, well, now she's not going to die because she got the COVID. Well, she's also 42, so she's actually really not at a high risk from COVID. And I, I think we've kind of, like, We've forgotten as a society to be able to look at risk and to weigh risk. And so, for instance, like I'm 36. I'm not getting it because 
I have a 99.97% chance of survival against COVID. And I have questions about the vaccine, right? This is the first time we're doing mRNA with a vaccine. I don't think that people are being honest about risk of injury or potential risk from death. And to me, the risk from getting COVID does not outweigh the potential risks and the unknowns of the COVID vaccine. So I'm not getting it. But But I also just don't understand how we as a society have this. Every single person needs to get vaccinated regardless of risk. Right. Like, I I think it should be specific to risk and individual choice and letting people take an examination of their own health and deciding with their doctor or with people they, they, you know, that are smart and they trust in the medical field uh, in deciding what's best for them. You're completely right. And I think that this crazy insistence that every single person get the vaccine is making the people who might benefit from the vaccine who haven't taken it question whether they should take it. Because they see that the people who are advising them are irrational. And uh, so I think that the CDC, for instance, is doing more to promote vaccine hesitancy than anybody else. And by the way, I'm trying to promote vaccine mandate hesitancy, not vaccine hesitancy. As I told you, I've got I have some family members who have taken the vaccine. We they uh, decided they were in a high risk category and that they might benefit from it. But. I'm never going to take it. Like in the beginning, I thought, well, I've already had COVID. And if there's evidence that comes out that shows that there's some benefit of this vaccine to me, in addition to my natural immunity, I might take it. But at this point, I have seen enough. I've I've listened to enough lies from the CDC. I have recorded back when they uh, found out that I would be so transparent before they found out I would be so transparent with the American people they would take my phone calls and I recorded the CDC admitting that their websites had, we euphemistically called them mistakes at the time. I will call them lies now. They had lies on their website and they told me and I recorded the phone calls. They knew they were incorrect and they kept it up there anyway. Well, I try to get the CDC on record about taking examination of the children who have died of COVID, which is, is obviously a very small number in the country and taking a look at who died from COVID or who died with COVID, because that's a differentiation that is important. And when you look at a, a small group, a, you know, a small subset, you could look into that deeper, especially with the amount of staff that CDC has. No response on any of it. Of course, uh, completely ignored me. I called, circled back, as Jen Psaki would say, and nothing from the CDC. It's like it's like they just don't want to be honest with us, which to your point, like I think there are a lot of high risk people that might think about getting vaccinated if they felt like they were getting the truth. And I think we would have been better off as a society, by just letting people know who's high risk and potentially what the vaccine could do for them, who's low risk and allow people to make the decision that makes the most sense for them. And I I think you would have people trust the system more. Well, let me give you an example. Um, (laughs) I hate to relate so many family uh, situations, but I don't think my brother would care. My brother, (laughs) so I'll tell you the story. Well, it's too late now. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so he got COVID. He got COVID. And uh, like they tell everybody, they're like, well, we can't do anything for you. Just stay home unless you get really sick. And so, uh, you know, we figure, okay, they can't really do anything for me. So I don't know. He went like 10 days, 13 days, and he wasn't getting better. He was getting sicker and eventually went to the emergency room. And guess what? He had developed bacterial pneumonia in like if he hadn't gone to the hospital, he probably would have died from bacterial pneumonia. They gave him an IV of an antibiotic 
and he was good within, you know, a day or two. But how many people has that happened to? And then they didn't get the help, or they went too far before they got the help. They had some complication that was bacterial, that, and we've known how to solve that with antibiotics for a long time. And they didn't get that treatment, or they got that treatment too late, and maybe in my brother's case it turned out okay, but in their case they died. They probably would have been listed as died from COVID, even if it had been a bacterial infection that developed later from COVID that could have been treated. Well, and there was a big study, I, I forget, it was of uh, looking at VA hospitals and they found that 40 to 50 percent of the cases that were studied, and it was a, a bunch of different universities that were involved in it, or professors or whatever from different universities looking at it, and they found that 40 to 50 percent were basically in the hospital uh, with COVID, not from COVID. Uh, so it really just raises questions about looking at hospitalizations in the country and also maybe even deaths in the country if we're calculating things correctly. But I I also feel like this vaccine only approach, it's very myopic and it's actually potentially putting lives at risk. I mean, you know, for instance, we all saw the former CDC director, Robert Redfield on Fox recently said that over 40 percent of the people who have died from COVID recently in Maryland were fully vaccinated here in the state of Florida, where Governor DeSantis has set up uh, monoclonal antibody sites throughout the state. Uh, the majority of the people showing up are fully vaccinated. So if they don't have that option in these other states because things like monoclonal antibodies have been discussed or other therapeutics haven't been explored because it's the vaccine only, are, are we putting lives at risk? We're absolutely putting lives at risk. And we're about to destroy our economy if Biden follows through with these vaccine mandates. Uh, I just came from a roundtable in my Transportation and Infrastructure Committee Literally, the, the meeting just ended a couple hours ago, and we had experts from the industry uh, that deals with the supply chain, trucking experts, the people who own, uh, unload the shipping containers. And um, one of the things they keyed in on is the contractor mandate kicks in on December 8th. Write that date down, folks. December 8th, the contractor mandate, if you're a federal contractor. And then there's this OSHA mandate that's going to come out. What I learned is that 37% of truckers say they will retire, quit, or find another job if if they are required to get the vaccine as a result of the federal contractor mandate or the OSHA mandate. If only, let's say if only 10% of those follow through, because it is a big deal to lose your job, right? And so maybe they're, when push comes to shove, they can't follow through, but just 3% of them do. I mean, 10% of them, which would be 3% of truckers, this would be a, a supply chain disaster of epic proportions. And we will suffer from inflation, shortages. We'll go back to where we were 18 months ago, where they were euthanizing animals because they couldn't get them, uh, process them, you know, livestock for food. Uh, it, it will be a, a dystopian future if Biden follows through and people will suffer all across the country if he follows through with these mandates just on truckers. That's not even talking about all the other people that are uh, being mandated or about to be mandated. And that's on top of the massive global supply chain issue that we're already facing as a country. So it's like it, it already seems like we're, fa- we're facing at least the worst one in, in my memory And then as you're saying here, this mandates could make it, you know, a thousand times worse. Yeah, we're about to go over a cliff. I'm I'm hopeful. And this is really sad when I say this, but I'm hopeful that Biden's just bluffing 
and that he will come to his senses or the people that advise him will come to their senses and realize they will completely tank this economy if they insist on making truck drivers take this. Uh, Because this is the other thing I found out. As a category, as a profession, truck drivers are less likely uh, to contract COVID. They, They spend most of their time quarantined in a truck cab, right? Driving. And uh, they have very little interaction with other people. It's like the one category of people it makes the least sense to mandate a vaccine on. Well, and it's also like, what is what is the point of the vaccines? Because originally they told us they were going to like, you know, President Biden sat there and told people you weren't going to get COVID if you got vaccinated. That's a lie. So it's like there is no point in getting the vaccine. It's not going to stop the spread of COVID. If someone wants to get it as an individual because you're worried about your risk from COVID, then they should. But it's not going to stop the spread of COVID. So mandating it does not make sense. It's like I I just I feel like we are living in some sort of bizarro world where nothing makes sense anymore. If you if you had a magic vaccine that would protect people from other people. But I'm not talking about sort of the morality of it. I'm talking about or the constitutionality of it. I'm just talking about the logic. If you if you had one of those. You know, you could justify logically, not morally, if, if that had no side effects, that, OK, we, we got to get everybody vaccinated so that people can't hurt other people. And that's that. By the way, that statement's antithetical to my libertarian leaning Republican ideology. But but I'm going out on this limb to say that we aren't there. We aren't even there with this vaccine. This vaccine, nobody is any longer claiming not even the CDC, and especially not the CDC, that this stops people from giving COVID to other people. In fact, there is a study that showed that the vaccinated are giving it to the vaccinated inside of healthcare settings. And so given that, the only the, the benefit that the vaccine provides is as a treatment for if you like a pretreatment for if you when you do get COVID, to reduce your symptoms. Well, because there is a risk associated with it, um, there is no uh, there is no logical imperative for the government to force that on somebody unless they are your legal guardian. Like the only, per- the only person who could make a decision to take a drug or a treatment is the person themselves or their legal guardian. And but what we're the situation we're in is the government is pretending that they are our legal guardian now, that they or that they own us like livestock and that we're receiving the treatment not to protect other people, but to protect ourselves. But they're the ones prescribing it. They own us at that point. And they keep, by the way, this is why they changed the definition of vaccination in September. They are slowly boiling the frog by changing definitions in order to meet their mandates, because their mandate isn't ethical, moral, constitutional, or even scientific in the context of the performance of this vaccine. So they have to change the definition of the words, and that's what they've been doing. And they may soon change the definition of fully vaccinated to, uh, to exclude people who had two jabs. 
Well, I mean, it certainly looks like the CDC director has opened that door in terms of, as you just said, it has to be three. But it's also like, I I feel like there's also risk. And I feel like people don't talk about that. I mean, you have other countries that are pausing the Moderna vaccine for, you know, 30 and under due to myocarditis. You have blood clots. There's even death. I mean, I was looking at VAERS, which you can't draw a straight line uh, to it because it is self-reporting. So, you know, it's with a grain of salt. So this is not absolute. But, you know, I looked the other day, there's over 9,000 deaths in less than a year. That's nine times more than what's been reported for a 20-year period for other vaccines between 2000 to or to 2020. So it's like, I just feel like people aren't being honest about the fact when there, when there is that element of risk. And I think that's still undiscovered. We, we don't really know uh, the full risk involved. But when there is an element of risk, you shouldn't be forcing people to, to get it, particularly, again, when, it, when it's not going to stop the spread of COVID. Well, and the last people, the very last people that should be forced to take it are the pregnant women or women who are going to conceive or have conceived because, you you know, you can develop a drug at warp speed, but you can't do tests, long term tests on uh, embryos and babies and infants at warp speed. It It takes nine months for a baby to be born. And then it's it's really, you know, two or three years until you know if there were uh, in, in many cases, developmental issues as the condition of something uh, that happened in the womb or uh, during breastfeeding. And it's just immoral. By the way, this is something I've pointed out on Twitter, and I think you've retweeted this. I probably have. <laughs> they haven't approved the vaccine for children ages uh, zero to five. Okay, at the time I tweeted it, I think it was zero to 11. If they haven't approved it for children ages zero to five, how can they prove it, approve it for women who are carrying a baby that is zero, age zero? And they say, well, this is where they get real hand wavy. And they say, well, the vaccine doesn't cross the placenta, doesn't uh, mix in the bloodstreams, yet this literally the same people who are saying that or the same groups of people will say, oh, if you get the vaccine while you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you can pass your antibodies onto your baby. And so you should you should definitely get vaccinated while you're pregnant. And that way your baby will be born uh, already immune. How could you say that's going to work without admitting that something is crossing the placenta or being exchanged between the bloodstream? of the the baby and the mother having to do with this vaccine. Well, and I haven't had kids yet, uh, and my parents still have hope for me. I am 36, so they they still are holding out. (laughs) They're still holding out hope that I will find someone to marry and eventually have kids. So there is hope. But, uh, you know, so so that's a concern as well. Then obviously being low risk, it's just, you know, if if I was... 75 and, and, and potentially high risk, then, you know, that equation would look different for me and where the vaccine would probably make more sense to me. You had recently questioned uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland and you asked him about the DOJ denying religious exemptions. I want to play this exchange at, uh, for the folks at home and then talk to you about it after. Can you tell me if anybody's been granted a religious exemption? Uh, I, I don't know. So I believe that it's fraud, in fact, fraud to tell people that you're going to preserve their constitutional religious accommodations by telling they can apply for an exemption and then not allowing any of those exemptions. And I'm sad to see that you can't tell us that anybody's been granted an exemption. Congressman, you had asked that question to Attorney General Merrick Garland about them denying religious exemptions 
Why are they doing that? Why are they denying religious exemptions for the vaccine? Well, there's a, a whistleblower from the military who's released internal memos that shows that you're just doing a blanket denial of all religious exemptions. And that's troubling to me. I haven't confirmed the veracity of it, but if it's, it's true, it's problematic. So I asked Merrick Garland, the chief law enforcement officer of the land, uh, were they receiving requests for religious exemptions at the Department of Justice for employees of the Department of Justice? And was that required by law? And he actually quoted the law that requires them to give religious exemptions for the vaccine mandates. It's the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and it was passed in 1993. Guess who introduced it? Chuck Schumer. Okay, the the bill that requires them to give religious exemptions. By the way, this is when the Democrats cared about minorities and, you know, religions that might be underrepresented. Uh, And so uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, according to Merrick Garland in his testimony, requires them to grant uh, religious accommodations, which means religious exemptions of vaccination. He refused or he said he didn't know, but all day he told us he didn't know. So he either refused or didn't know the answer to how many had been applied for and how many had been granted. And I said, well, that's a fraud if you if you are offering something and it's not available. And so um, actually this week I had another chance to question the head of the government services agency. This is the GSA. They're responsible for every piece of federal property that's owned by the federal government or leased by the federal government. And I asked her how many religious exemptions had been requested and how many had been granted. And she didn't know. And the deadline is, is, um, the third week in November for federal employees and December 8th for federal contractors. And I said, so do you have the form ready? Can you tell me how they apply? She didn't know. They didn't have it ready. I said, have you received any advisement from the Biden administration on how to adjudicate these applications? She didn't know, didn't have anything, said she would share it with me later. I'm like, this deadline is coming up and you can't tell me anybody's been granted a religious exemption. This is totally ridiculous. It's illegal and it's unconstitutional. I don't think they've granted. It's also just so sad to be purging so many good men and women who are willing to risk their lives for this country from the military, from the police, firefighters, nurses all throughout society. You have cities and then also with these federal mandates forthcoming of purging just good, hardworking people from society over this lunacy regarding the vaccines it's just it's it's heartbreaking to see in america it just does not feel right it feels anti-american uh and it bothers me deep to the core all these people were heroes of the pandemic the firefighters the policemen the first responders the nurses uh, the truckers they were heroes too back when congress wouldn't even come to work by the way i forced them to come to work by quoting the constitution and they all got mad at me but they did come to work but and now they're doing proxy voting even though they've all, all the Democrats have been vaccinated, in any given week, there'll be like a third of them that don't even come to work. They don't come to work, yet they want to mandate a vaccine for the people who are coming to work. They did call them heroes, and now they, they are blaming them for the pandemic because they won't take the vaccine, which doesn't even stop the pandemic. I, and then the one that's, that's the most detestable to me is applying it to the military. These people are facing court martials 
They would be put in categories with rapists and murderers and be denied, for instance, their right to own a gun after they're discharged from the military. These are like felonies that they would be convicted of. Now, whether that comes to fruition or not, I don't know. Even even if they just gave them an honorable discharge, that is wrong. That's purging them from the military. Um, And it's, you know, in many cases, you've got people who've been in 18 years. They've got two more years to get their full retirement. And they're being faced with losing all of that, losing their GI Bill, but maintaining their bodily integrity. And it's not it's not a stressful situation we should put them in because more uh, veterans and active duty members of our military die of suicide in a week than have died of COVID in a year. And so you're putting those folks under even more stress and it's just wrong. There, there are heroes. They're not to be experimented on or forced to take this vaccine. It really is heartbreaking. And, and I've gotten so many messages from people who are just worried about their livelihoods. They've got kids at home. They've served our country for a long time. And it just it really, really, really breaks my heart. I mean, I, I, I think about this way too much because I, I just feel like what is happening deep to my core is just so wrong. It's so wrong. And, and I know- I'm going to do a little advertisement. Yes, sir. I'm here for one of my. That's bills. what I was going to ask you. <laughs> so perfect. I was going to ask you about that. So please. We're on the same wavelength. I, have, I introduced this bill back in June. There are people who say, well, it's a little too late, Congressman Massey. No, I introduced this before there was even really more than a rumor that there might be a military vaccine mandate. It's H.R. 3860. It would prevent the military from forcing its members or coercing its members, because that's what's been happening all summer and this fall is coercion that would prevent them from being forced or coerced into taking the vaccine. And I think we're almost up to 50 co-sponsors. And there's a little parliamentary thing you can do in Congress called uh, a discharge petition. If I can get 218 signatures on a discharge petition, instead of this bill being stuck in the Armed Services Committee, It will immediately proceed to the floor and we will immediately vote on it in spite of Pelosi's wishes. And we could stop this vaccine mandate if I can get a two two hundred and eighteen signatures. Now, that would require presumably all two twelve Republicans and six um, Democrats. But there's a chance. And so if people are have family members in the military and they want to do something, ask your member of Congress, have they signed the discharge petition? So 3860, H.R. 3860, and I'm looking at, I hope this number is right. If not, someone's getting really spammed. But I believe this is the congressional switchboard. You can call 202-224-3121 and ask your member of Congress to sign on and, and say the bill one more time, Congressman, so people have it at home. H.R. 3860 to prevent members of the military from being uh, forced to receive the COVID vaccine. Yeah, call your member of Congress and tell them to please sign on to this. If they care about our military, if they care about integrity, if they care about protecting the people who are willing to risk life and limb for us and or freedoms are being denied their very own freedom. Uh, and it's wrong. You know, Congressman, you tweeted out something today that that made me giggle. Uh, you had talked about, I guess you guys are still have to wear masks or they're still forcing masks. Is that right? On Capitol Hill? I haven't been to Capitol Hill in forever. It's, it's kind of funny. The Republicans, you can tell the Republicans from the Democrats now in the House because Republicans aren't wearing masks and Democrats are in the hallways. <laughs> 
I, I would imagine maybe you could just tell through the eyes that they're kind of sullen today with the, <laughs> with the losses from last night. <laughs> oh, yes. The worst part about the fact that all the Democrats are wearing masks is I, I woke up this morning eager to come to work to see the sullen look on their faces. You know, like when Trump beat Hillary Clinton in 2016. I remember coming back to Congress and they just looked like somebody had shot their dog. And uh, I was looking forward to that today. And then I realized they're all going to be wearing masks and I won't be able to see those sorry, sullen looks on their faces. But you can be sure that's what's behind those masks today here in Congress. Which also doesn't really it's not really a strong testimony to the vaccines. If everyone who's vaccinated on Capitol Hill, if these Democrats still feel the need to wear masks, still live in fear of covid when they're fully vaccinated, it doesn't really send that message of strength to people at home. Not at all. I mean, look at the photo op Kamala Harris did. The doctor's wearing a mask, she's wearing a mask, and she's receiving her third shot of the vaccine in this photo op. And it's like, is this is supposed to convince us to take three shots of the vaccine and they're still wearing the mask? It's, it's, um, it's ridiculous. I think it promotes vaccine hesitancy, for instance. And don't even get me started about the science of these masks and the fact that in the beginning, do you remember Dr. Fauci said, don't wear a mask, you're not trained, it wouldn't fit right, you wouldn't know how to use it, it can't possibly work. And they went from that at the beginning when they were telling us 15 days to slow the spread, they immediately flipped to saying, to having the attorney general, or I'm sorry, the surgeon general on TV showing people how to fold up a handkerchief and make their own mask and say, this will work for you. It's so ridiculous. They've thrown science out the window. Well, I, I think it's just theater in the sense it's the government trying to make people feel safer when the government can't make us safer, and which is why we shouldn't be giving up our freedoms for the false sense of security or safety from the government, which in which they cannot provide, uh, which is, a you know, but I, I feel like hopefully, praise Jesus, with last night, Maybe people are finally waking up. And I'm also hoping that now the government is coming for children with the vaccine ages five to 11. I'm hoping that just like with the fight against school boards across the country when they started realizing what their children were being taught in government run schools, I'm hoping now that they're coming for the children. Parents realize that children are incredibly low risk where the flu is actually a bigger risk. And, you know, it's a wake up call to Americans that, you know, maybe the government doesn't have our best interests at heart here. Yeah. uh, You know, I think the Democrats, they've pulled this sort of at a macro level and they they see that people, you know, maybe a majority of people are for vaccine mandates or masks. But what they don't do is look at the cross tabs and see that they're alienating their own base of voters like suburban moms. okay, who like it or not, decide a lot of elections and decided probably to a large part the elections in Virginia. And when you tell suburban moms that we are going to tell you what your children will learn and we will tell you what medical treatments your children will receive, um, that's, that turns them off from Democrats. And just to key in on something you said, I agree uh, with you, but I want to put a point on it. Uh, you know, you said they, they want us to wear the mask so that we feel safer. But in reality, that that's sort of at the first level, that's what they're doing. But even deeper than that, they want you to be afraid. And so they want you to think that they're the only ones who can make you safe. But ultimately, what they're doing is keeping this 
notion of fear instilled within you. And, you know, you started out with that clip from Bill Maher, and that's what he was pushing back against. Just quit being afraid. Let's just go on with our lives. We can't live like this forever. Quick break. More with Congressman Massey on the other side. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them. Sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once. And two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play we are the voice of nascar the green flag is in the air and we are underway the great american race the motor racing network nascar cup xfinity and craftsman truck series racing live on your hometown radio station and mrn or nascar.com martinsville talladega the chicago street course we have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win photo finishes ryan blaney will win the voice of nascar the motor racing network work. Well, and it was really at the beginning of COVID, too, that this fear started being pushed unnecessarily in the sense of like everyone thought the uh, the fatality rate was like 3% or something. But then you had people like Dr. Ian Edies of Stanford who wrote that op-ed in Stat News, which really completely blew my mind and changed my perspective on it, who made perfect sense. And he was saying, look, we're making these monumental public you know, policy decisions based off of terrible data. And basically the fatality rate was completely skewed because the people we were testing were the individuals who were showing up at the hospital sick and potentially near death. So of course the numbers were skewed and we were missing 
throughout the country, people who have had COVID by 10 to 65 fold. And if those people had been calculated in, then the fatality rate was significantly less than we originally thought. But and people knew this. And there are ways that we could have gotten that information with the uh, serological uh, test, which eventually, you know, uh, Stanford did in Santa Clara and then New York actually eventually did in the Miami-Dade County. And then that's when we found out that we were missing cases by a significant magnitude. But they still didn't change course in a lot of these places, which always blew my mind. Or even in New York, I think it was May of, uh, I believe it was May of 2020, the majority of people showing up at the hospital were staying at home. So it's like, it's like we had the information in front of us, but like the media didn't cover it. And also our public health officials kept missing it and kept driving fear instead. Oh, absolutely. You're right. They would go in and they would take um, the fatality rates inside of a nursing home, for instance, and, and report that as the fatality rate. But if you just looked at cruise ships, for instance, I, I looked at that, those numbers and I'm from a small county in Kentucky. We have only f- about 14,000 people in that county. And uh, one of my staff said, well, how bad do you think this is? This was back when they were saying it's like Ebola. And I said, you know what? I, I think it's real. Look at the cruise ship numbers, just extrapolating from that out of our county of 14,000. We're going to know somebody who died from this. By the time this is over, we're going to know somebody. In fact, there'll probably be about 50 people out of uh, in our within our county die, and it it turns out there've been like fifty five people in our county die, and I made that prediction at the very beginning just based on the cruise ship data, which is really all we had. But what you could assume is pretty much everybody on that cruise ship by the time it got back was exposed to it, whether they tested positive for it or not, and that wasn't the youngest you know sample set there was, and you know nobody really could foresee. The, the Delta variant, which I, I think we were really close to herd immunity uh, six, nine months ago. And what happened is the transmissibility of this went up, which changes the percentage you have to have for herd immunity. By the way, the number of people vaccinated doesn't really change the amount you, with this vaccine that you need for herd immunity. When this is all over, Lisa, there's going to be uh, three categories of people. They're going to be the people who got COVID and and never got vaccinated, the people who got vaccinated and then got COVID, and the people who got COVID and then got vaccinated. What do all three of those groups have in common? They all got COVID. It's the only off-ramp. Now, I'm not, you know, there may be some people who are lucky enough not to get it ever, but I think this is going to be circulating among our population because they've shown that dogs can get it. And 30% of the white-tailed deer they tested in like Michigan and Pennsylvania had COVID and SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. Uh, This, there's almost no animal that can't catch it. Even if you could, the vaccine were 100% effective it wouldn't stop the spread uh because eventually it would come back from the animal population where there are reservoirs of it well and that's my why my frustration has been in all this of this vaccine only this myopic approach where we should have been like all hands on deck all of the above all the therapeutics look into ivermectin look into hydroxychloroquine whether you know look into these things if they work or not monoclonal antibodies look for other things all therapeutics, all above approach, because as you're saying, a virus does what a virus does and the government can't stop a virus, right? Like the virus is going, it's going to go from a pandemic to an endemic. It's probably going to be with us for forever. Everyone's eventually going to get it. 
Uh, you look at Sweden, they took an opposite approach where they sort of realized this of trying to obtain herd immunity of sort of, you know, letting it work its th- the way, you know, that it's going to have to, you know, it's going to go through the population eventually. And what I think we should have been doing the entire time is figuring out how do we protect all these people, uh, you know, whether they're vaccinated or not, and, and just preventing death like that. That should have been the the number one goal. And instead, it's like vaccine or else or you're an evil person or or you're not a patriot or you don't love your neighbors or or you're unkind or you're this or that or you're a lesser person in society and like creating these weird two tiers of society when it should have just been about saving lives. There was a paper almost a year ago. It came out in The Atlantic, actually. And it was a survey of a lot of epidemiologists and and doctors. And they pointed out that the cold virus is a coronavirus. And there are actually four or five different versions of, of coronaviruses. And when you get them, it causes a cold. Now, they point out in the article, the reason you, if you get it when you're 80, you don't die is because you had it when you were eight years old. And I was hopeful and still am. That is what this becomes, is that once it's endemic, it's basically the fifth or sixth coronavirus that circulates among us and has for thousands of years. And when each of those coronaviruses were introduced into the population, they were probably pandemics. And then they became endemic because you, everybody gets them when they're a kid. And my greatest fear is if that is the case, that, you know, this is the next cold after, and, and I'm not saying it's not now, I'm not downplaying it and saying it's not serious. But what I'm saying is once this has circulated and become endemic, it's, I'm hopeful that it's just a cold for all of us if we catch it again. But I'm worried that they go in and mandate this vaccine for children when they don't really need it and they could acquire the natural immunity from infection when they're young, when it won't hurt them, and that when they get older, that could protect them. Instead, you know, we might be getting on this treadmill where a kid has to take it to go to school, and then they have to get a booster shot every six months, or they go to the lunch table and it's in their milk or something. I mean, there's a lot of dystopian outcomes that could come from this if we don't switch gears and and don't start admitting we're going to have to trust our natural natural immune systems at some point. Well, um, you know, I, I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about January 6th as well. I've got, you know, a whole host of questions on that. And I know you've also been one of the few people in Congress fighting for transparency and honesty about what actually happened that day. Um, I know you've got votes, so I, I want to be you know, respectful of your time. Absolutely. Well, the, the funny thing is, Lisa, I don't think we're going to be voting on, on the big uh, $3 trillion bill today. <laughs> I think the Democrats may delay that, uh, given what happened in, in Virginia. So we're going to have votes today, but I, and so I will have to go. But I'm looking forward to coming back on your show. we got so many things to cover. And I am so excited, this Congress. I, I got on the Judiciary Committee, you know, with Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and Andy Biggs and Chip Roy. And it is, it's just like a bar fight in there with the Democrats, with Gerald Nadler and, and Cory Bush and, you know, the whole the host of uh, Eric Swalwell. 
it's it's a fun committee to be on. We'll have lots of topics to cover, and so I will come back on as soon as you'll have me. I would love that, and I, I, I so appreciate your honesty, and I so appreciate you fighting for the truth and freedom in America, so I will keep retweeting you, sir. <laughs> I would love to have you back on to, to talk about these other topics as well. Keep retweeting Sassy with Massey, please. Yes, hashtag Sassy with Massey, of course. <laughs> have, have a great day, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you later, Lisa. Bye-bye. I want to thank Congressman Thomas Massey again for an awesome interview. And I want to thank you guys at home for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Lisa Marie Booth. I want to thank our team, producer John Cassio, researcher and writer Aaron Kliegman, and our executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker New Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 network and team. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, this new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.